Okay, and it did change the the tone of your I voice see. a little bit. Um, but uh, but by doing that, it's now going to cut out a lot of the background noise that. You know, historically, when we did this, anytime mom moved anywhere in the house or if she was in the kitchen, yeah. I could hear her. Yeah. Honey, what and the mic was why don't you say that something to Todd? We'll see if he can hear you. Oh, can you hear me, Todd? Yeah, okay. I can. Well, be- so, I mean, it's not it's not perfect if she's specifically talking, but I think it's it's going to try to isolate stuff that's, yeah. you know, more more close to the mic. Oh, it says wide it spectrum is currently unavailable up above the, the thing on the top. I don't know why why that's the case. Ah. If I tried to select it, it I probably wouldn't work. It may be one of those deals where it's available in the software, but you have to have the specific piece of hardware to use it or something. Yeah. You know, so the so- the software is common software yeah, for all their be. devices. Oh. So I'm looking at Mac Daily News, and the top story, at least right now, in Mac Daily News is Apple Fitness Plus annual revenue could hit $3.6 billion by 2025. Okay. But so, so I'm wondering, I'll look at the story. What is it right now? $3.6 billion uh, is a big number. I um, am looking for my Mac Daily News app, and I don't know where I put it. Yeah. Uh, I did. I'm just curious. Let's see. What do they say here? So the industry could grow to $70 billion. That's based on projections. This is J.P. Morgan saying that uh, it was, it ballooned to $11 billion in 2021, up from $6 billion in 2021. That makes no sense at all. That literally is the... It ballooned from from twenty one from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty one. It ballooned from six to you know. So, I, that, that yeah, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. And then they say they think it's going to go to seventy billion by twenty twenty six. So they think it's going to have a seven times increase. Well, I guess if it can if it can almost double instantaneously because they had the wrong dates here. I have I hate this stuff. This crap. Uh, Right now it's three hundred million, and it, and they're saying they think it'll go up to three point six billion in four years. Uh, uh. That's a terrible article. That's absolutely just terrible article. There's no justification for anything. the The dates are clearly typed wrong. Uh, Mike Peterson for Apple Insider just basically screwed that up completely. <laughs> that was terrible. I mean, he needs to edit it. Go back. What you know. There was a time when you when you published things, editors looked at it beforehand, and it wasn't because they were geniuses. It's just somebody else's eyes, you know, reading it, saying, "Does that sentence make sense?" You know, because you type it out and it looks great to you, and then somebody else looks at it and goes, "Well, how come you you said from 2021 to 2021? That's no time." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I finally got um, the thing up here, uh, uh, so yeah. uh, I'm with you on the on the article now, uh, and and it's Fitness Plus only annual revenue. Right, right. That's the only thing they charge for when it comes to fitness, okay. but that's what they're talking about. And if you read down through it, they're basically say they, if you, they say that they're estimating that it makes three hundred million dollars this year. Okay. Uh, yeah. Grow yeah. to three six by twenty twenty five, up from three hundred. Right. So they think that. So yeah. So they think it's going to have basically an order of magnitude plus increase in four years. And that the business, the overall industry is going to go from uh, up to $70 billion, uh, in 2026. But right there, the second paragraph, it says the market ballooned from $11 billion in 2021 up from $6 billion in 2021. Did he mean from 2020? 
Did he mean from, you know, 1999? What did he mean? I, that Clearly, it wasn't from 2021 to 2021. So I don't know what he's talking about there. That's irritate. That irritates me that that got published and nobody's caught it. But, it, you know, it could have been yeah. published five seconds ago. 10, 20, 10.23 a.m. Uh, but then I don't know what coast they're on because I'm only 9.15 a.m. right now. So that, you know, it could have been up for several hours on your coast. Um, I don't yeah. Know. I disregard I disregard stuff that has um uh you know obvious errors in it that I that I can't that I'm just guessing as to what they meant. Um there's been a big brouhaha about the stage manager uh software that was introduced at the most recent WWDC because Apple says it's only for the M1 iPads and everybody's like, "But how come?" Um and essentially what Apple has come out and said is that only the M1 iPads have the memory management capabilities because essentially what they're going to do is use, uh, they're going to swap memory, basically. They're doing memory swaps between memory and storage, and because their memory and storage is so fast, you shouldn't notice a big deal. But that means that you can have uh, up to 16 gigabytes of memory swapped in and out of, uh, of storage uh, for each application that's running. So this new multitasking, windowed multitasking that they're introducing to the iPad called Stage Manager will only be available if you have an M1-based iPad, which I don't own one. Do you? No, I'm no, you don't. I know you don't. No, 15-inch iPad. Uh, right. They say 2023, so, you know, six, seven months, maybe and, you know, nine and, months, something and, like that. And uh, hopefully this thing will last that long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, what I would like, I would buy the new M1 right now, but the 11-inch didn't get the up, updated micro-LED screen. And I like the 11-inch. I know you like the bigger ones. You, you want, you've got a 12.9-inch and want the 15-inch that, that has been rumored. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've, I've seen rumors that say that the, uh, there'll be an update to the, ele- the current line, the 11 and the 12.9-inch uh, devices, around the end of the year, sometime in the fall. And that they will um, both go to the M2 chip, uh, and presumably the 11 inch will then have the micro LED screen. That it's the same screen that the third. That my, I'm just going to call it 13 inch iPad because the 12.9 inch is too many <laughs> words. And you know, who cares if I'm yeah. off by a tenth of an inch? You know, I'm not. I'm not making the device, so nobody nobody's well, going to come after that, me. That, that's for, why for, I. You know, I I thought to myself if I wrong. were to ever, you know, get another computer, which I'm seriously doubt that i ever will uh 13 inch uh is the sort of the standard has has been for a a long time and uh you know that's minimally adequate for me right well realize the current computers uh you know the the air is 13 inch but their their pro computers are 14 and 16 If, if i were still in the computer business i'd just automatically go to the 16 i mean there's no question yeah yeah, there's a lot of people who feel that way. They need more screen real estate, whether for more windows because of what they do. They just need more space. Um, and let's face it, they make these things, you know, yeah. thin enough and light enough that the difference between them is not, and, you know, and, not huge. I mean, I remember I had a 15-inch Mac, uh, uh, MacBook Pro and loved it. In in Mine was like a 2011, uh-huh. I think. And you had a 2008, right? Yeah. They were basically the same body. And... Uh, those were great computers, but I when I switched from I went from that to a 2015, um, uh, it was a 2015 
13-inch MacBook Pro, which is still my, my laptop when I use a laptop. And that's a fantastic yeah. computer. That's a fantastic, you know, I still have, I, I look at it and go, you know, what's the motivation to upgrade or change that for me? Yeah. And there's not a lot. There just isn't, you know, it's fast enough for what I do. Quite frankly, the only time I ever use it is if I'm, if I'm, uh, I, I used to take it with me when I'm traveling. That was my travel computer. And obviously we haven't traveled a lot in the last couple of years, but the last couple of times I've traveled, I've just brought my, my iPad and then I've got the keyboard case for it. And, uh, yeah. and I've been fine. Well, I've I've you been a, I've been using my computer right now only because I monthly I publish a newsletter for one of the groups I'm with, and and that just seems uh-huh. uh, you know I use Word uh, not Word but uh, uh, pay, pages pages and uh, and then just convert it mm-hmm. to uh, uh, or what do you call it uh, PDF yeah oh PDF to, to, right and, and, yeah we've uh, talked about that I, I'm thinking I. I played around with doing it on the iPad this time. I don't know if I will. Uh, I Right. I was going to ask you if you had tried it, because you've got a case with a keyboard for your iPad, so you could sit there yeah. and type on the iPad. And so I'm trying to, to, to totally transition off the computer, because, you know, I, I, I invested in a mini because it was inexpensive as a desktop and, and whatever, uh, and, and I got a real cheap monitor and stuff, and I already had keyboards, so... You know, I thought, right. well, you know, I might use that, but I, I don't use it. It just sits there, right? And so, uh, you know, it's it's out of date now, and I don't think I'll even bother to update it. You know. Uh huh. Yeah, yours is what a twenty twelve or see. The only thing like that, that really bugs me is, is that I can never get away from computers because I have DVDs and CDs with archives. That I'll always want to be able to go look for something, you know. And right, yeah. Well, you know, but your your Mac Mini will, uh, gives you that capability. You can plug in your your uh, your DVD reader or your CD, yeah. you know, your external yeah. uh, reader, and you've got that. And if that's all you're really using it for, there's no yeah. reason to upgrade it. I mean, you're not going to do that any faster or better with a new, a brand new, you know, right. M1 or M2 right. Mac. And, and and the other thing is is that the problem there is the memory is built in and it's it's getting worn out and it's got got to notice that every time i bring it up you know that you need i need to do something about my memory and so ah. i've got to spend money on it <laughs> is what it's going to amount to just to maintain it but it's the it's the only uh, well my yeah, I'm not sure that has swappable memory even on it. You know, depending on which year you've got. The only other possibility is my mini does have the ability to plug the DVD into the back of it. I just haven't used it that way because I didn't want to sit in there in the office to do it. But it is an option right now. You know, you, when you say memory, you're talking about storage, uh, so that I could then I can plug the DVD in it. See, the important thing is it's a it's right. a separate DVD, so I can. It, it's not like my. I actually have two DVDs. The old one is on my old Mac Pro, but I don't. I can't even use it anymore because right. it got locked out and full memory's absolutely full. I can't even boot. Okay, you keep saying memory. What you're I, meaning is storage. Your storage uh, space that's is filled right. up. Storage is filled up on that. But but okay. anyway, okay. I do have a portable DVD CD player that would plug in to both my my little 12 incher as right. well as the mini. So, so either one of those right. will I could make work I think you know right 
Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely could. And you could probably even, uh, you know, that, that uh, laptop you said that's fully full, you can boot it into the um, emergency partition and run a disk um, uh, uh, manager on it, and it'll go in and delete a bunch of, like, uh, cache files and stuff and give you enough room to boot it back up so you can then go in and clean it out and delete out stuff that you don't need. So if you really want oh, to use I, that, you I, could. Oh, I, you're right. Um, I, I never thought about doing a bootable th- thing. You're, on, you're talking about on my old Pro. Right. Yeah, you said that's full and you can't use it. I'm saying I you could you could I, rescue that I, if you wanted to, if you wanted I, I to put the time and effort in. I don't remember how to do in. that even. I, I recall it was doable, but... Yeah. Right. Well, and and given that it's, you know, you know, a decade and a half old at this point, it's probably not worth the effort. Now, what I would say is your Mini is perfectly capable of running a uh, uh, the DVD, external yeah. DVD for you. And if, and if that's all you really use it for, then who cares? You know, to, to, why would you upgrade? Just use that to, to for getting reading DVDs if you want to look at them and, and be done yeah, with it. Yeah, except that you the know? battery goes really bad and I can't, you know, it won't work anymore. <laughs> I don't know when, you know, how these things collapse, but what? Oh, no, I was talking about the Mini. Oh, the Mini. I'm saying oh, the, the mini. mini works fine. I switched to talking about I said the Mini works fine for reading DVDs with your right. external DVD player. So, so why upgrade it? You know, I wouldn't spend the money there unless you have, if that's the only thing you're using it for, you know, like I said, you're not going to to do that any better or faster by buying a brand new mini. So why would you do that? You know, you know, so no, I actually, um, in, in coaching my swim team this year and managing emails and everything, I pretty much, uh, as the year progressed, switched over to using my iPad for everything. Um, and you know, I, there I had to learn to do some things a little differently. Um, I will say, though, that, you know, I have the uh, the Magic mm-hmm. Keyboard for my iPad, and you have the Keyboard Folio. And the Keyboard Folio is different. Or it's it's the, uh, it it is mm-hmm. more floppy, and so it's harder, it's harder to work with that on your lap. You have to set that on a table to use it, or on a, at the very least, a lap desk or something solid right. to make it work right. Um, you know, the way it, cause it kind of just leans the iPad back, uh, while it sits on top of the, the, above the keyboards, whereas the, uh, magic keyboard holds it rigidly and makes it uh, more laptop like. And so you can actually type with that, like yeah. in your lap if you want to. And, um, uh, in fact, when I, when I got the, uh, the magic keyboard, I bought it. I, I saw a magic keyboard, the regular two ninety nine. And somebody, I don't remember where it was, somebody had it on sale for one ninety nine, for the the you know the one that fits the eleven inch, and so I bought the keyboard before I bought the iPad, and then I waited when they came out with the Series Four iPad Air, and that's what I have. So I have the iPad Air, uh, which is essentially the same size as the eleven inch Pro, and it snaps right into the keyboard, mm-hmm. and uh, I find that combination just incredibly useful, and I can you know it just pop it right out if I just want to hold it and use it for browsing the internet and stuff. Um, but then I have a full keyboard and I can type on it just like it was my computer. And I've found that, you know, I can use pages or Google Docs or, you know, email or pretty much everything I want to do, I can do with that device and I don't find that I need to go back to the yeah. computer that often. Um, 
you know, something that they didn't address with the, uh, or at least I didn't see it addressed, and I'll have to do a little more investigating with with iOS 16 for um, at the developers conference, is that the um, uh, the issue that I have, or one of the issues that I have with the iPad, is that there's still a lot of of walls between inner application communication. And so doing something like what we're doing right now, where we are, um, uh, we've got Skype running to talk to us and another app then listening to the audio stream and recording it, you can't do on an iPad. And so unless somebody builds an app that, that uh, not only does the conversation like Skype or FaceTime, but also then allows you to record the entire thing, uh, you know, in a, in a fairly high quality stream, um, it doing podcasting yeah, I think is that's where the stage manager is headed. Device. But as you said, you got to get a different iPad before you can even get in that world. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're both probably going to do that at some point. But it's just a matter of when right. the right device comes along, right? I mean, I'm sure I wouldn't be unhappy with the iPad Pro 11 inch right now, but um, but I look at it and go, it it. It's almost what I want, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and I'm super, super happy with what I've got. I mean, you know, it's just the one thing I can't do is, well, the only thing, you know, I can't podcast. The only thing that concerns me as I move ahead is I'm getting more and more like mom as a user in the sense that I don't really want to see change because I, I'm in a routine where there's things I do and I'm not, I don't have any limits with what I got right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's working for yeah. you, and you're happy. Why, yeah, why screw I'm, with that, I'm afraid right? to update so, almost because then they'll throw in another wrinkle, and I'll have to mess with something for, you know, maybe a whole day or two, and I don't want to have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, change can be good, and, and, and when I was more into these things, I looked forward to it, you know, some new thing that might really be great. But... Uh, I'm I'm at I'm at good enough right now. <laughs> where, where do you put the bar, right? <laughs> Are you there? Uh. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. No, I agree with you. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like it, you see some of the new fancy stuff they do, and you go, great. But then you think, well, how does that apply to me? You know, and if it doesn't, then meh, you know, like the the whole idea of the. Um, uh, stage manager, I think is really, really cool. And I've struggled with, cause there's been times, especially as I, uh, 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 there's been times when I, um, have, uh, wanted to have more than one thing on the screen at a time. Like I needed to read from one thing while yeah. I'm typing to another and it's been clunky on the iPad. It worked. I mean, I was able to do it. I was able to split the screen and get what I wanted. But I think Stage Manager is going to give me a much better um, yeah. way of handling that. But, um, you know, again, I'll have to wait till I have a, an M1-based uh, machine. You know, I read an interesting article, though, the other day. They said that the, um, the iPad Air that I have has an A14 in it. And it actually has the um, virtual memory capability built into it. So it's only got four gigabytes of memory instead of eight or 16, which the M1s have, but that it has the physical capability to swap that memory in and out of storage. So, you know, they may support it at some point. We'll see. You know, it's currently in beta yeah. or, you know, pre-release. So who knows? Um, but uh, it'd be nice if they did that. 
but I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a matter of finding what's right for you and whether right. it makes sense, you know? Um, I mean, that's true of anything, you know, it's, it's easy. I mean, you and I in particular have, uh, at least in our family been the two who have been like, well, it's new and cool. So let's just get it for that. That's enough reason, you know, <laughs> um, historically, but I think, you know, we've both kind of gotten to the point where it's like, well, How's that going to make yeah. my life better? You know, every <laughs> you know? once in a while, I get the sense that you've gone away. There's something that just suddenly gets totally quiet. It's probably me not, me not staying on mic very well. I turn my head as I talk, and that's why I I much prefer to use my headset mic as opposed to this, because if I talk right to the mic, I, my sound is clear. But as soon as I talk over oh. here, then I, I've moved oh, off you don't of it, have and then I move back. Mic. No, I, I do. It, that's what was having all the problems, my technical problems before we started. So I switched to my my old style studio mic. But, uh, you know, when, when you do this, when you record regularly on this kind of mic, you get used to staying locked to the mic so that your head doesn't move around very much because uh, you have to. So you stay on mic and your sound yeah. quality is good. But, um, but that also, you know, <laughs> you get out of that habit when you're not... Um, <laughs> when you're not using it a lot. And so I've got some bad habits now because of uh, uh, using the headset yeah. mic, which I prefer. So, but um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I, if I would like to see them do some of the, the, the inter app communications, you know, they should build a, um, an SDK for, or add, add to their, their, SDK, a library that allows developers to do that kind of thing in a limited way, some sort of handshake between apps that would allow you to run something like um, FaceTime or Skype. Because right now the operating system says, you know, this this has the speaker or this has the microphone and that's it. There is no way to take that and split it or share it or do yeah. anything at the system level, you know, whereas on the Mac... You know, you can take that audio stream and do whatever you want it with it. I could send it to this headphone and that speaker and, and, you know, Bob's left elbow, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's apps that do that and you, yeah. you can't do that on an iPad. So that to me is, is a drawback to the operating system. That's not just a, you know, front facing feature, but a, um, uh, a, you know, underlying technology issue that I think that I hope they address that. And we'll see. I think you're right. They're sort of taking the right step into allowing multiple, if you're allowing multiple apps to run and you're doing memory swapping and stuff, it's not that, not a big step from there to say, and now this app should be able to send this file yeah. to that app, you know, um, you know, and, and if you do it through an, uh, through the SDK, if you do it through a, through a, you know, system library, then you can control, that kind of thing, because the the concern has been that, you know, one app would cause another app to crash or, or corrupt another app. And uh, and I, I get that, that, you know, you get a better experience when the apps all run in their own little window and in their own little world. But there, you know, if you're going to talk about adding pro level features, well, one of the things pros do is have this app feed stuff into that app. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's something they do. And so they're going to have to address that at some point, I think, I hope if they really want these to be serious, um, seriously considered as, you know, professional well, tools. I, I have a little ticker tape floating along the side of my uh, Mac Daily News thing here that sort of says the stock market's up and down right around, you know, no big change either way. So at least it's not 
that yeah, that's a good thing for yeah, the current days because <laughs> like it had last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the Apple stock app, but it says that uh, you know Apple stocks up a little bit, Amazon's yeah. down a little bit, uh, Intel's up a little bit, Disney's down a little bit, Microsoft's up a little. So it's well, just kind of like well, up, and down, know, up and down, uh, up and down, up and down. Really. Uh, Right, hanging around zero mm-hmm. when you see it go from green to red to green to red to green. You know, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's flipping back and forth. Well, or you look at it and it looks like right. a Christmas lights. You know, it's red and green across the board because everybody's either right. up or down just a little bit. But I'm seeing so, a flash. I've never yeah. seen this before. I mean, from one stock one stock to the next. Oh, really? That's in front of me. They're all right. That's hovering funny. right at zero. You know. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, so, um, what else is new here? So the other thing they introduced, and we didn't talk about it too much, um, last week was the, the M2 based, uh, MacBook air and 13 inch MacBook pro versus the 14 inch MacBook pros with that still have M ones in them. It's a weird right. thing to do that, right? Because you've kind of said, okay, here's the next thing. So now have they basically, killed the sales of macbook m1 pros because everybody's going well i want to wait for the macbook pro m2 because we know the m2 is a thing now well it's uh there will be an m2 pro and m2 whatever yeah Uh, right well you know it's that's the other thing is a lot of people pointed out that whether you had the pro the max or the ultra that the that they they were all the same speed as the original m1 in single-threaded operations because they were using the same processor. Um, You know, it was only in multitasking that they picked up all their extra... Well, and they got more graphics stuff in the the Pro and the Max, I guess it was, right? So That's true. That's true. Yeah, the Pro and the Max and the Ultra all had uh, multiples of each other in terms of the uh, GPU power. And and I think also the... um, What do they have? They have that um, uh, AI engine, right? I think those 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 also I, multiply. I, I really, in my mind, so, hadn't sorted out how those uh, names really uh, what what they were signifying. They're not very descriptive, you know. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. Well, the Pro was kind of a, a double M1, and the Max was a double Pro, and the Ultra was a double Max. So they literally, you know, like a di- two two sets of CPU, you know. So they doubled the, the amount of CPUs, GPUs, and everything each time you went up a level. And they went from Pro to yeah. Max to Ultra. So, And they have not introduced the Mac Pro desktop yet. So that may have a n- different chip in it yet that we just yeah, haven't well, seen. Well, it seems to me at least they had to start at the M2 level. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, yeah. Can you imagine they introduced the Mac Pro desktop? You know, they're, they're you know, up to $40,000 computer. And it has... M1s in it when you when your you know 1199 MacBook I, Air I, has an M2 I would in it. Think that just seems I would weird. Really think that they would have uh, it would have no necessarily strong connection with either the M1 or the M2. I mean, it's another whole class of machine. You know, it should be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right. That might that might be the. So I, you know, I'm thinking that's why it's taking longer. They're, they're just they're just working on right. what does a guy who really wants it all and can afford it. What's he got? You right. know, you can't charge those big prices unless you got it, got something that's worth it. You know. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, maybe it's not even an M series chip. Maybe it's a different yeah, series, possibly. right? Just like because they they because they the currently the 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 Mac Pros run with the uh, Intel Xeon chips, which is not the same as the i series chips that we all buy for our yeah, laptops and, and desktops. And see, I still think that the one thing that Apple has really gone gone awry on, uh, and this is based on my experience uh, of using many computers and stuff to in laboratories where you have to connect to a zillion different things and none of them are made by Apple. You know, you need a motherboard with different kinds of stuff that you can have unique interfaces right. for as part of your machine. Well, that's what the Mac Pro was. It has slots in it, PCI slots, and you can put in hardware and connectivity of things that, from that, every, that's right. you know, other that's, places. That's why you need uh, really high-speed stuff to go to some of those I.O.s. You know, so it's got to right. be mostly I.O. related, it seems to me, to really call it a pro machine. Mm. Right. But that's what they did. They went out and based it on the, the fastest Intel chips they could get, and they gave it the fastest I.O. interface they could get when they introduced the Mac Pro, um, the most recent version yeah. of the Mac Pro, anyway. And so... You know, because that was the complaint. When they came out with the trash can Mac Pro, everybody said, but there's no upgradability. There's no connectivity. Pros don't want that. They don't want a pretty little s right. cylinder sitting on their desk. Yeah. They want to be able to, you know, they're happy with wires and plugs and stuff all over the place as long as they can plug into all their, their yeah. custom uh, gear, uh, right? Unless, about the only thing that early pros seemed to address in the, in the real professional user was the guy who's sitting there doing uh, some really heavy calculation mostly like 95 or 99% of it it's all right. calculation you know yeah uh, yeah well therein lies the issue right because pro can yeah. mean a lot of different things i mean you can be a professional in you know if you're a physicist then that's what you need you need yeah. a heavy number cruncher right if you're a professional video editor now your graphics uh, are powerful then you need then you need huge graphics power you know it's just it depends on what you're doing as a pro and that's the advantage of that expandable, interchangeable, yeah. you know, form factor is that you can kind of customize the box to do what you need it to do, and uh, how they're going to address that with a with a you know integrated memory yeah. storage system and, is. And I'll have to speak up. I'll have to speak yet up to, to be the guys seen. in the test environment where they've got all kinds of variety right. of things that test that attach to uh, other laboratory equipment of. of and that's a wide variety of things, all kinds of A to D conversions right. and, and you name it. It's, it's just a wild assortment of, uh, of data out there in every format you can imagine. Uh, one, one of special yeah. interest for me was all the different kinds of connections there are just to guidance and control systems on various aircraft and space systems. Uh, they, they, they're all over the map, and some of them are really high-speed uh, kinds of things that you you got to go get the data at high rate and process at high rate, you know. Now now of course yesterday's yeah. high rate and today's are a whole different world too. So anyway, uh, but you're right. It's all kinds of specialty hardware that yeah. you have to be able to connect to, and it can't just be through external buses. You know, you they, they'll even though Thunderbolt is incredibly fast. Um, sometimes you want stuff internal on the motherboard. You just it, that's the way the the company that provides the equipment is yeah, set it, up. 
you know, that's why there's standardized and, and yesterday's slots. lingo, I used to refer to all of those I.O. channels as uh, 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 direct memory access, DMA. That was a, uh, a Hewlett-Packard mm-hmm. nomenclature for how do you get data in and out of the mini computer as uh, fast as you possibly can do it. You know, and, and those direct right. memory access cards had their own little processor on it so that on the fly you could do a certain, a few things that were useful in terms of uh, doing that data transfer. So, anyway, yeah, uh, I kind of got out outside of the, you know, and kind of into a specialized area, but that that's just uh, the way it used to be, you know. Just wanted to put some perspective there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it's an insight into, you know, I mean, let's face it, the the pro level machines that we're talking about now are the mini computers of today. They are the the desktop workstations, you know, that replace like the sons of that's what this is today. Right. And that's why they're running Intel Xeon processors instead of the standard line of processors. And it makes sense. And if you think about what the Apple folks said is, you know, when after they introduced the Mac uh, the M1 Ultra, they said, you know, that's the the last of the yep. M1 chips, but we do have, uh, but we've got one more computer, which a lot of people took to mean that they're going to put M1 Ultras mm-hmm. in the new computer. I think maybe we're onto something. I don't think it's going to be an M1 chip. I think they're going to have another series that is designed specifically for the pro computer only, just like, you know, Intel has the i-series chips for desktops and laptops, and they have Xeon chips for high-end yeah. servers and workstations. And so Apple's going to come out with uh, a if we're if we're correct, they're going to come out with a high end workstation chip that is not an A series chip. It's going to be or an M series chip. It's going to be something else. They'll pick a different yeah. letter. A Z series. I'm, I'm chip. trying to I'm trying to think of a <laughs> word that used to describe it, but I'm thinking that the professional level, instead of thinking in terms of a single M1 or M2 or whatever, that it's what they call what I, right. I used to call federated processing. And that meant that you basically took multiple right. computers that were all networked together and and to do some yeah. really, really big job, you know. So it's a net, network of computers yeah. that may, may physically be within yeah. the confines of a, a certain coo- yeah, cooling A single space, box, yeah. Which is what the box is all about, usually. Uh, and, right. Uh, and they could that, – that's, that's – Yeah. Well, that's essentially how they're building the yeah. supercomputers today. Is there are, you know, it's a big, you know, a big box with a really, really good air conditioner and a whole bunch of computers inside of it, a whole bunch of discrete CPUs that uh, all work in conjunction with each other with a, you know, usually a custom built high speed interconnect right. network. Right. And so if Apple were to, you know, build that kind of thing, that technology exists. I mean, that's what, you know, like I said, that's what they're using to build supercomputers today. So, you know, Apple can build their own supercomputer and you can, you know, modularly add as many chunks into that as you need for the job you're doing, right? That's really a good description, supercomputer or ultra computer or something that uh, says you can't do anything faster with today's technology than doing it this way. You know, it's... Right. Yeah. Well, but that does also then go back to the the weirdness of but in single tasking sing, or in a in a single task uh uh program that giant supercomputer is no faster than your $1000 laptop because 
you know, they're all still using the basically the same CPU on underlying or the same right. processing power. It's when it's it's most it's massively multitasking is where it really shines. Right. That's what it does. So, you know, and that then goes back to, you know, how is how are your apps compiled? Right. Do they take advantage of multitasking and how? And so uh, since Apple controls the whole the whole uh uh, production line they just go back to their compilers and say okay well we've got to make sure that our compilers uh have the ability to to uh set up all of our or you know take advantage of of the multi uh multi processing you, know, you really got to the heart of it right there because what what you get the, the problem that you're trying to solve when you're talking about these uh, uh massive computing power has a whole lot to do with how do you structure multiple processors in a way that best uh, me. and by best from a performance standpoint solves this problem you know a specific problem so that right. the, and that comes back to the software that organizes all of this activity on these multi, on a multitude of processors that are working together and so the real architecture in this system has to do with the software that drives it you know the operating system is uh, is a very uh, specialized uh, 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 approach and an architecture that allows you to organize processors mm-hmm. in multitude of ways, so so that the communications channels that that you really are important to your particular problem uh, can effectively work in parallel, maximize parale- parallelism within right. the machines. Yeah, but when you control the operating system and uh, and the compiler for all of the applications that run on that operating system, um, you can drive things that way very effectively to take yeah. advantage of your hardware. Because because that right, the, just this notion of parallel processing is is significant when it comes to really getting high performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, thinking back, that it makes you wonder now if their push to push things towards Swift was because the they were redoing the compiler, and Swift allows them to then um, have a compiler that takes better advantage of that parallelism. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot. You know, they're saying, well, if we're going to make a new compiler, then let's make a new language too, because yep. there's advantages to yep. that. Right. So they so they started over with the language, but it probably started with the compiler. It was like, hey, we see down the road that in order for us to have a a significant advantage in our our machines, we need to make sure that we're taking advantage of parallel processing and and multitasking. And so what we're going to do is redo our compiler, which then said, hey, well, if we're going to redo the compiler, then let's let's build a language around this new compiler that really takes yeah, advantage because of this. That, that com- so that the, the software know. that compiles uh, the code that came from the user is really your interface between powerful hardware and the end user's concept of what he wants to have done. You know, that and it a lot. That's the interface that that makes it happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but they don't want to, they don't want that whole process to be something that the developer has to think That's about. That's right. Right. The developer is, you know, you design your code to do what you want it to do. We'll take over and in the background, we'll send it to whichever processors are available and, and you know, we'll identify which processors are available on any given machine and and how those need to be. You know, it's used. interesting that 
the thought that popped into my mind in thinking about this, but uh, when you have multiple processors working together on a, on a job, uh, that's a timing issue. Uh, it's, it's that which is what mm -hmm. makes what adds a complexity yeah. to it, because anytime you try to time things and synchronize processes in ways that uh, uh, gain some uh, performance advantage, uh, you you really make the problem very very complex. And so what you what you really right. need is something that uh, handles that timing to help the user uh, in a very sophisticated way which takes me back to the very beginning of timing complexity. The earliest timing complexity that I was aware of was the earliest Minuteman computers actually had the code uh, for running the, 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 and controlling the missile coming off of a drum, which was a, ser a serial data stream. Mm -hmm. Now, can you imagine code coming off and you have to sit and wait for the some code if you want to jump over something else wait for the, the keep, turn around have a model in there yeah. that keeps track of where this stuff is and how soon it's going to get there and so it's the enter well essentially that's yeah. spinning discs right i mean spinning discs you had to wait i mean granted it's milliseconds in our world but you know as the computer yeah. program so goes that what ends it, up what right? i'm saying is is that back early on we had this terrible complexity problem because of the the, the hardware yeah. limitations but that was all you could do the drum, the drum yeah, memory, <laughs> and in fact, that was not the storage memory. That was that was actual RAM, the that equivalent the of memory, memory in a computer yeah. today, except that it had yeah. all these complexities right. associated with it. Uh, and so, you know, today yeah. we have a, a different reason for having complexity, and that is we're trying to to uh, mm -hmm. do parallel things because there's some right some, some things, you know, a lot of. Uh, gain by doing things in parallel uh yeah but it's only potential gain if you can if you can manage it in such a way that that you maximize mm -hmm. parallelism you know right yeah well and in some cases you know i know that like you will um uh the the intel had played around with doing some predictive branching right yep. so you know if if you come up if if you, if you when you when you compile the code, if, if there's a, uh, say an if statement and you can go right or left, right? Uh -huh. Those are your options. Go right and left simultaneously. And then, you know, at, at the next step, if you find out right was the right way and left was the wrong way, you just drop the other one from memory and go right and Absolutely. do the same thing and, and again. Right. That's been going on forever in turn in, in at the uh, micro right. level of computer processing, uh, as to what pieces of hardware right. to use to, uh, get the job done. So, uh, Anyway, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing that, that you know we're how timing yeah uh, is woven into the problem you know. <laughs> mm hmm. Will be interesting to see if how it plays out based on you know we we uh, we've we've supposed that the um, that the new processor for the Mac Pro will not be an M processor but a different series a professional level series processor. That still runs Apple code, but it will be at a um, uh, you know a, a higher level machine. You know, maybe not an M machine, but a Z machine or whatever. Um, I'd like I, I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Not that I'm ever going to go buy one of those because it's way more than I would ever be able to spend, much less need. Um, 
you know, I'm I'm happy with my well, iPad, but <laughs> you know, you know, but what, uh, what the what this, uh, the the problem area that this used to have the most impact on was security, cracking codes. You know, you you think about mm-hmm. basic idea of security is is if you take a, something that requires monuments of process, basically that buys you time because the machine can only calculate these all the possible options in a uh, you know it takes time to do that so in the in the arena of, of secure data that's sort of been one class I'm not saying it's the, the ultimate class of problem but it's a, a significant class of problem that everybody is always worried about and as machines get faster you can suddenly now find or have machines that'll crack the old machines code you know a, a decade ago man that's just not good enough to have uh, 50 bits of data as a security uh, you know uh, code to, to get into something we now have, to, now have to move it to 100 or 1000 or whatever because the processors can now yeah. go through all the possible combinations in parallel you know and we can kick through that stuff yeah. like crazy and uh, so yeah. it, that it, that tells me something about where the impact of of the uh, processing capabilities as we make these advances you know there's applications out there that are not not necessarily good ones sometimes very nefarious but nevertheless important you know yep yeah no there's a lot to it is it's it's um it's interesting like i said it'd just be interesting to see how they how they what happens here you know i think though you know, I've become more and more convinced that if you look at Apple as how they progress on things, they they kind of do project what their direction is or what they're going in. I mean, you may not get the details of it, but they don't just do something and, and drop it on you usually. Usually it's part of a larger theme, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we were surprised when they dropped Swift on us, but if you think about it, that, you know, they, if they were redoing their compiler in order to to focus on on taking advantage of these new chips, they did that a few years ago before we had even mm-hmm. heard of these new chips. Um, but of course, that's what you would do: is you'd drop it early, right, and get people used to using it, get people used to using that new language that you built to go with yep. that new compiler. And um, you know, the first time they decided to do uh, OLED screens, they didn't do it on their most, you know, their their billion selling phones or anything else they did it on their watch which was at the time a very small screen in a very small market you know it's it's not a small market anymore and the screen has marginally gotten larger but you know they they learned about how to deal with and and how to focus on that there before they before they moved on you know they the we've supposed that they're going to start using the u1 chip and we'll find out in the next set of airpods right whether they do that uh, for for connecting their their audio devices to get away from Bluetooth and give mm-hmm. themselves more bandwidth, um, but they put the U1 chip out in a whole bunch of things right. before they did that, right? And everybody goes, "Well, what's that for?" Oh, it helps yeah. you find stuff. They, <laughs> you know, it seems like that was an awful lot of effort to just help me better yeah. find my the, phone. The you other know? thing I wish about when I think about what this uh, new horsepower will that I'm talking about the Pro that still hadn't come out yet uh, could could be applied to mm-hmm. is it's quite clear to me that there's a lot of processing power needed in the AI field. Now, I'm no expert on AI, but uh, I can imagine the the real key to AI is 
and, and any kind of smartness in terms of computers has a whole lot to do with lots and lots of data. Lots and lots of data. And when you get more data, you need more yeah. processing power to get through all that data. You know? So that's, that's a, an application mm -hmm. area that's a significant one for lots of things because AI is a general concept. And, you know, so what they will do or are already doing in that field is different kinds of AI. You're going to see the, an adjective associated with every AI project that sort of generally describes uh, uh, some bound field of things that you're doing, you know. And uh, they all will have different characteristics that uh, will also... Uh, maybe give you some specialized processors, just like processing something to go out to a uh, display has particular functions that you do over and over, but you got to do them fast because there's a lot of them. You know, you got a big screen, the bit, you need mm -hmm. more pixels out there, you know. Uh, so uh, in mm -hmm. the same sense, AI is almost an infinite consumer of data. Uh, in, in fact, everybody says the reason that Tesla... Uh, stands out above everybody else in the world of AI has everything to do with the fact that all of his cars have been communicating data from their travels. Everyone that's moves down the road has been gathering data that goes into mm -hmm. Tesla's database to gather uh, situational awareness of the car, or whatever the sensors are in the car, at any given moment in time. And it's an essential right. thing if you're going to do uh, safe and uh, and quality uh, independent steering. You know, you you got to go through that data and know about every circumstance anybody's ever seen, and how you you could react without creating a a safety problem and and make the yeah. right decisions. Okay. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. creating self driving, and it's like you're never going to be able to create self driving unless you have lots of data right. about how people drive. And, and, and where and, they make mistakes and, 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 and when they do the right decisions. thing. That's the other thing. You know, you've got to get mm -hmm. the answer quick. Because <laughs> a, 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 yeah. a decision, a right decision too late is, is you know, disaster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you start applying it anyway. But, but when you're doing the gathering of data, you know, you're just saying, well, this guy turned left, and clearly here's the here's the all the variables involved, and he made the wrong choice because that, he smashed that, that's into what that I, tree. I love about so. uh, the combined companies that uh, uh, I got his name, the owner. Uh, oh, Tesla, Musk, Elon yeah. Musk. Uh, one of the things that became crystal clear to him recently, just maybe it was last week or the week before, he combined the two companies, Tesla and the boring company they used to be total separate companies but he's integrated them and the reason mm -hmm. he's integrated them because he's realized that uh in order to achieve the efficiencies that he wants with his underground uh, uh transportation network he has to have characteristics that only the tesla has they can't be gasoline engines and go into mm -hmm. a tunnel so that eliminates everybody except electric competitors secondly yeah. He knows the dimensions of his car, and he wants to run them through the tunnels at a lightning speed. In other words, these are zipping through tunnels in order to be efficient at 120 to 180 mile an hour. He hasn't said what the limits are yet, but yeah. somewhere you got to worry about this, you know. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, that's what you know. the the one the the one that he has in Vegas that's operating is operating with with driving Teslas back and forth. I thought originally the idea was that you would be using a excuse me a specially designed well he's yeah. um, tube thing and that they would put a vacuum in front of it and a, a pressure behind it that would help it move so it'd be moving through almost no air resistance and. Yeah, I, um, I I don't know what happened to that idea. He did he did have the sled, and I don't know if he's eliminated that, because I think he wants to just run it on yeah. the vehicle because of cost. You know, it's got axles, but what happens yeah. if you blow a tire at 180 mile an hour under there? You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's issues to be solved, <laughs> but know, uh, so anyway, you know, uh, it, it's interesting that uh, you know that to work on a lot of these problems, you you got to have both sides of it. You know, you got to have the exactly. Yeah, you need to own the whole stack, and and I think more and more um, uh, successful companies are understanding that, and well, and understanding which pieces are the are the stack that right. you need to own. Right? I mean, like like he has not as of yet said I need to have a company that makes tires for cars, but he might at some point because right. of that very issue, and he may come out. You know, I've seen some some um, projections of of airless tires that are essentially like a series of springs wrapped around uh you know a hub and so we may get there someday we'll see you know but you have to deal with heat dissipation and there's lots of other issues around building you know that that, you know it sounds like a mundane thing making tires there's a lot of science involved in making that right and making them grippy and making them efficient rolling you know and that kind of stuff so well and you can't have somebody bumping a steering wheel in a car and turning the the wheels while you're zipping along at high speed in a confined space, you know, the, the whole control of the thing is right. really driven by your outside, uh, by the tunnel where it, where it goes, you know? So anyway, yeah. I, I find that a, a very interesting thing and, and a tremendous, uh, idea. There's still a lot of issues he's got to work mm-hmm. out as I can see. But having having an existing yeah. one, even though it's only a couple miles long, is still really important to gather data and find out what the issues are. You know, uh, so uh, he's way ahead of everybody in that. I mean, just passing them up. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody else is sort of getting into the building uh, cars. Although I will say, that companies like Ford that are are starting to go into it pretty heavy and and now have two different. Um, Electric vehicles are selling. They're selling a truck, and then they've got the uh, Ford Mach-E, which is sort of an SUV type of vehicle, sporty SUV. Um, they also bring a lot to the table in terms of they know how to do this, you know, as far as the building the vehicles, probably better than Tesla. And he had a lot of bumpy starts getting out the door and still hasn't, you know, every time he comes out with a new model, it takes him, he says he'll have it in a year, and it takes him two or three years to get it out the door because I think that they still don't have the the institutional knowledge about, you know, making those things. And so it takes them a long time yeah. to get that online. The, the other thing in, in his business that I find really interesting is that I haven't written off hydrogen yet as a source for the electricity in electric cars. Because right. I think we might end up with a model where uh, a hydrogen actually generates the electricity real time. You know, instead of right. a, instead well, of a there's, battery, there's, you just have a, a fuel cell. Yeah. Toyota has a uh, only available in California has a series of cars that run off of hydrogen yep. fuel cells, 
and they've been testing that. And they were very adamant early on saying that they're more interested in that than electric. And in fact, they of all the big companies had not really done much with electric. More recently, I think they've backed off of that a little bit based on, um, uh, I think, just market pressure. They feel like they're going to have to have an electric, and I don't think they think the hydrogen fuel cell stuff well, is ready to it, go yet. you know, when you say ready to go, uh, all of this is technology. And as it, you know, there are breakthroughs that are happening in different places. But whether you can take them all the way to production and, and actuality, you know, uh, just requires, depends on whether you can solve all the problems, you know. So there's a ebb and flow that that's worth watching. It were, right. I don't think it's settled yet. Oh, I don't think it's settled either. I'm just saying that I think that they have decided that marketing-wise they have to... Um, they have to provide, they have to at least have a player in the electric car field. So they're going to move yeah. into that a little bit. But the uh, they've been selling the Mirai for yeah. quite a while now. And you can buy it. It's a $50,000 car. It includes uh, two years of fuel with yeah. the purchase of the car. And, uh, you know, they're saying like the XLE model gets uh, estimated 76 miles per gallon electric. So, you know, I don't know what the range is on it. But... Uh, uh, I find you know it's just interesting. I just sent you a link to the uh, to the Mirai page from for Toyota, so you can kind of see what they, you know, what okay. they're selling uh, and learn a little bit. Of it. Okay, four. It says a uh, four hundred and two mile estimated EPA range for the XLE. So and after about five minutes of refueling, so it refuels in about five minutes and then it goes. But it runs on hydrogen, so it's zero emissions. Um, you know now. There's less hydrogen fuel, um, less hydrogen fuel out there than there is, uh, or refueling centers than there are charging stations. So we'll see how that all plays out. But well, it's something that's interesting. But, but they but so, they don't have the hey, range um, issues and other things like that. Typically, when when you talk, that's the that's where hydrogen takes a big leap past the uh, battery technology. Is is how do you uh, how do you get range? And cost, that, that's the ultimate trade-off, you know? Right. Yeah. And I have no idea what the cost is. I mean, like they said, they, they includes free, you know, fuel for two years. But what, it, well, it says two years or 15,000 miles. For yeah. me, that's a year. Um, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, what does it cost after that? And how many charging stations? Where can I go get more hydrogen fuel? And, you know, I don't know any of that. Yeah. So that would have to be... Uh, you know, have to be worked out. But they, you know, the page talks about, you know, how it runs off of electricity, but it's created via the hydrogen. And they, they have a section that talks about how to fill it up and, you know, how safe is hydrogen and how yep. much does it cost? Yep. So, um, so you know, they're, they're addressing all of that. Uh, and they've got, it's not like it's a beta. They have working vehicles. I see these Mirais driving on the freeway and, and I've seen them driving yep. around. I mean, they're, they're common enough that they, I see them in Southern California. But as I understand, because of the need for the fuel cell fill up stations, they're only available in Southern California right now. They're not selling it yep. anywhere else because they, you know, they've got to have the infrastructure there. So there's more to oh, it yeah. than just oh. the car. But I would be, you know, I will say this. You know, we've heard about, you know, in the news about Tesla cars being in accidents. I've not heard any things about, like, you know, a Mirai being in an accident because it's full of hydrogen it blowing up like yeah. the Hindenburg. So, yep, you know, 
I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I just haven't heard it, heard it in the news. Well, so, so, you know, the safety thing seems to have been answered at least. Uh, well, all, all it takes, you know, is, all it takes is one, value but you've got to get a lot of vehicles out there before you increase the probability of an accident. Yeah, and I have no idea how many of these they've sold. I mean, they're not cheap. They're, they're a midsize. They're like a Honda Accord or a Toyota camry size car. And uh, and there's two trim levels, and one is forty thousand, and the other is sixty thousand. And I don't know what the extra twenty thousand gets you, well, but uh, your mileage and it goes down significantly with the yeah. fancier car. So it, they're probably adding a lot. Yeah, of no doubt. Yeah. Well, a- anyway, my point yeah. is really uh, that when you have a company like like Toyota, who has just really done so well in the gas cars, they know what they're doing. They're not out there playing games. They're they're building mm-hmm. real cars. You know. And uh, yeah, well, that's true. I just uh, just looking at their website, it says there's 19 of them near me and there's uh, uh, several of the limited editions. Those are seventy two thousand dollars and the XLEs are fifty two thousand dollars. So these are not well, cheap cars. These well, are really well, expensive. Well, well, no cars. more than electrics. You know? Yeah, you know, that's when, true. When you, that's true. When you that's true. But I think a lot of people look at it and go, but that's a Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, maybe they should have marketed them as Lexuses. Then then they would uh, people wouldn't yeah, bat an eye, well, right? Uh, it's they, Toyota makes quality cars too, you know. <laughs> the, oh, absolutely. I mean, they make Lexus. Lexus is a Toyota. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, marketing wise, when you're getting into the seventy thousand dollar car range, but, maybe that's maybe that should be sold as the but, luxury but, car but, as opposed but, to t- the, uh, the go 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 down to more car. reasons to go hydrogen. It says four hundred and two mile uh, yeah. expect. EPA estimate, you know, right? Yeah, I saw that, you know. And the best electrics are, you know, maybe right about there. Um, but then they take, you know, forty-five minutes or more to mm-hmm. charge up. This is a five-minute refill, and you're yep. ready to go again. So anyway, so, uh, it, yeah. they make a really good case, and uh, you know, when you look at the look at the mm-hmm. uh, structural thing right below that, uh, with the tanks and all, that might say, well, gee. Uh, I don't know if I want one of those big bombs in there sitting behind my seat. <laughs> well, not when you call yes, them a bomb, but, right? Well, batteries <laughs> are bombs too, really. <laughs> They're close, close up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're you're storing energy. I mean, you know, that's what it is. It's, you know, it's great to have energy and, around you and, when you need and, it, but and, when it's released and, uh, uncontrolled, and, and it can be a problem. We all have fuel tanks in our cars today, so those are bombs too. They're just not quite as inflammable, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. But you, but you still. Yeah. Well, but. <laughs> Tell that to the Pinto owners yeah. of the seventies, <laughs> you know? right? So, uh, so, so we all um, take certain risks, you know. Yeah, yeah. You you know you take a risk leaving your house or yep. staying in your house, yep. getting out of bed in the morning. So anyway, um, I need to call it a day. So um, thanks for joining us, and I will uh, we'll be back uh, next Monday instead of Tuesday, probably, <laughs> assuming that I get my headphone thing worked out. And uh, okay, and we'll, at least uh, you're staying cool rolling. now, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Now my 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 shack out back studio is not 88 degrees. <laughs> in fact, right now it's right now it says it's 67 in here. Uh, it's actually a little cool. I may have to turn the thermostat yeah. up a little bit. Okay, Todd. So. See you next week. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye.
Hello. You hear me? Hey there. How about that? Yes, I do. We're talking over the new headset now. Awesome. Yeah, you, your your sound quality changed significantly. You might want to move the mic a little bit uh, uh, away from your mouth, a little bit, pull it out a little bit to the side okay. more. I'm getting your breathing. Okay, is that better? Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Yeah, I'm actually using my backup microphone and headset because um, somehow through my my uh, uh, my mixer, I'm getting this terrible hum. You know, the yeah. type of hum like your like your cord is laying next to a power transformer or something, and you can't figure. And I cannot figure out where mm. it's coming from. In f- in fact, laying here, um, sitting here while I was listening to you troubleshoot, I started hearing popping coming from one of my speakers. And I looked over, and the only channel that has anything on it is my microphone channel, and it's like really low, but it's making it, I can see little spikes, and that's what's making the popping. So it's the microphone itself that is is somehow um, uh, picking up the noise, and I don't understand why. Oh, you know what I could do? I could bypass the roll switch. Let me check something real okay. quick. Okay. Just for grins. Um, I have the microphone plugged into like a, a mute switch that you can use for like when you're coughing yeah. and you need to blow your nose or something. And that could be introducing it. So it's like take out the variables, right? Yep. Let me let me know switch. when you're Quickly done with the test. Do you noise. need me, me to be talking or anything? No, no. All I had to do was just listen to the headphones and no, I'm still getting the noise. So it's not the switch. So something else is going well, on. Well, I want to do some tests. I've got this switch thing with me and the volume does go up and down. I do have what's a mute. So I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to. The, the volume, the volume is for the headset. The mute is for the mic. Yeah. Uh, so, but then I've got a phone button too. And I don't know if that's since. You know, I'm not talking on the phone, but I'm going through the phone. Uh, going through yeah, the iPad. Yeah, I know. IPad. Is that really, is it being sent over the air through the phone, though? It shows, no? It, nope. Nope. It's, it's you. If, if you have it plugged into a phone, you can use that to answer the phone. It, it'll send the signal back up the cord to answer the oh. phone. But if it's but you're not using it with your phone because you don't have the adapter to do so. Um, but some phones have USB connectors oh, in them. So uh, if I'm going to press the mute and say something, I'll get back to you. Okay. What you you hear anything? Okay, nope, I said Todd, not at all. My secret, and you didn't hear it, so I was. I didn't so hear, I guess so the I mute, don't know. Mute works. And if I push the phone, will it do anything at all? Uh, it's on now. Can you hear me? No. Nope. Yeah. I mean, keep talking, but I heard you when you oh, said, okay. can you hear me? A little blue, li- a little blue like I said, came on, but it's probably just not applicable on the iPad. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that just sends a signal back up the line to say, answer the yeah, phone if it's ringing. Probably. Okay. I'm ill-prepared today. All right. As am I, and in fact, I'm. Uh, oops, I'm realizing too that um, I'm going to have to make sure I stay on mic because I'm used to using my my headset that has the mic integrated, and now I'm using my separate Blue Yeti mic with headphones. And so, if I turn my head to the side, I talk <laughs> off mic. So, anyway, I used this uh, uh, thing uh, last night uh, to attend a, a a meeting with a Zoom meeting, uh-huh. and. Uh, 
it was a total waste because for whatever reason, the I couldn't understand anybody talking in the in the meeting at at the place. Now I think it was because they had it in an auditorium huh. and it was all these stuff bouncing off the wall. But that doesn't even explain it all. It was like um, digitized, like you got just bits of stuff. Just terrible audio. I've never seen anything so bad, you know. Yeah. But but. Yeah, that may or may not be the fault of the head. I mean, obviously the the headphones and the mic are perfectly capable of uh, of reproducing good quality yeah, sound as we're hearing a right whole now. Bunch of stuff where I listened to music over the headphones and whatever. One thing I did learn at the Zoom meeting last night is that the uh, headphones fit way too tight, and no matter how much I pulled them down or something like that to loosen them, they're not the most comfortable things mm -hmm. because they're of the tightness. Uh huh. And there's no way to sort of stretch them back the other way, probably because they're not—they're not even—they're not, even, not made out that's, of metal, right? They're made out of plastic. So if you try to stretch right. them, you're just going to break that's them. What, that's the situation. Yeah. So I'm—I'm I'm not happy from a comfort yeah. standpoint. And furthermore, the over-the-ear things, my ears are too big, and that part of the discomfort is that my ears are fitting under the pad part, no matter what I do. You know. Ah. Uh, so over the ears means yeah. over a kid's ears, you know. So I think it was meant for a smaller head. Or well, because I I have it fully stretched well, out. Well, realize know? most of these are probably designed. Most of these are probably designed in Asia, where there are smaller people. And let's face it, our family has big heads. Yeah, I've got to have I some mean, room for the brains that we got. You know. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it's funny when we were we were camping last weekend uh, with Alex. That was one of the things he was wearing a hat, and they were talking. He was talking about the fact that he has to, you know, he can't just go get a hat. He has to make sure he has a hat that's big enough to fit his head. And I said, Yeah, yeah, you're preaching to the choir, kid. <laughs> yeah. I much prefer to buy like a baseball hat. I prefer to buy an actual fitted hat to my size rather the generic, than generic. Uh... Uh, fit all the generic ones with the little snappy things because i i'm on the last snap you know to hold right. the stupid thing on uh so anyway um uh, so uh i i was thinking that maybe when you said 15 minutes that i probably should have said let's give me at least a half hour to go look things up but then i spent the next 15 minutes in the bathroom and said well you know i sat in there Ah, well, that's because I, I called you at about 15 minutes and there was no answer. And so um, I and then and I realized right about that same time that it's like my headset's not working right. I'm getting this weird hum and buzz in the background. And so uh, <laughs> then I sent you a text saying, yeah, hang on, because this is going to this. I got to troubleshoot this. And finally, I just gave up and said, you know what? I've got a backup system. I checked it and it seems yeah. to work. So uh, but, you know, I, I moved all of the electronics in my office around. And so. Something is now causing interference, and I have huh. to figure out what that is. Actually, I don't but. hear you near as well as if I had the uh, my uh, things on blue, Bluetooth really? you should for be my to... my hearing aid, you know, and and that sh that should work. Uh -huh. But for some reason, I maybe I uh, I don't know just how I would choose, you know, the, the swap down from the top should give me a choice of hearing, but it, I don't think it does. Well, but can't you just can't you put your hearing aids in and turn on your hearing aids and then put the headphones over it and the hearing aids will amplify whatever. You're, also, you should be able to turn up the volume on the headphones. There's a volume switch. You said turn uh, it up all the way. Uh, yeah, let's just see. I, 
I really don't. I don't want the headphones to have any volume at all. I, the volume on the headphones I could turn way down. Because if it's coming directly into my Bluetooth, then you know why do I want two things feeding my ears? Maybe. Well, I mean, you that you need a balance between the two. But what I'm saying is, with the you could also take the hearing aids out if they're uncomfortable with the headphones and just turn the headphone volume up. Yeah. Well, right now I just took lift, lifted the thing off to see if I was hearing it through my hearing aids, and there's nothing there at all for some reason. And I think that, right. Well, there there shouldn't be anything through your hearing aids. You're not hearing through both of them simultaneously. Well, uh, you'd you'd be hearing an echo if you did because the Bluetooth has a delay. Well, I've got Bluetooth activated on you sh- on the iPad, not on the iPhone, so it should be I should be coming into my headphones. But it says mic mode standard. I don't know what that means on here. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at the. Tr- but realistically, I mean, think about it though, right? You can't have the audio coming out of two different places on your iPad going to two separate places simultaneously. It's either going to go through the hardwired headset or through the Bluetooth. Right now, it's going through the hardwired headset, which was the point we with the. That's where we wanted to be. Uh, and the sound quality is better than it's ever been. There's no echo whatsoever. Uh, I understand. I'm thinking that if I were able to turn on the Bluetooth, uh, then I would lose the the microphone, right? Yes. Yeah, that's probably why it's not doing that. Right. And the idea of going th- having the audio go through the headsets uh, isolates the audio so that I don't hear it echoed back through the mic, which oh, is the problem we've yeah. been having as we go okay. along. Uh, so so the, headset, hold, the headset's the right minute, way to I'm go, gonna, but you hold, should hold, turn up the volume on, turn up the volume on the headset. Aids. Okay. Just a minute. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. How are you? I'm back. Okay. I'm getting some weird kind of high-pitched feedback that's pretty awful. Oh, there's... Oh, my hearing aids yeah. are laying here on the couch, ringing so that mom's going, mom's hearing them. Squealing. So, oh, I can well, hear I them. I can't. Okay, I got one of them off, so that should have shut it off. Yeah, okay, there. It's better. So... Uh, and anyway, okay. Now just turn up the volume I, as I've loud got as it you up can. Now where I can hear you, and it's be- it's better than having okay. that thing over my hearing aids. That, that that's what I was thinking. That's the point I was trying to make. Was just use the headset because that's going to be more comfortable, and you should be able to adjust the volume. And because they're 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 you know it's in a headset, it's isolating the sound so the mic doesn't yeah. pick it up. That's weird. Uh, the volume so. control on my. Uh, my iPad, the one that's on the control panel, doesn't have any effect at all with the plugged-in mic. It's coming directly through the the the, the mic. Uh-huh. I mean, and the the headset. Not, I'm sorry. The headset. Okay. Right. Well, either way, it seems to be okay. working well. We're got the setup sorted out here. <laughs> I'm going to push the mic standard mode button just to see what it does because I've never seen it before. Mic mode right. standard. Oh, it's got voice isolation and wide All spectrum. Right. What's ah well? You want isolation as opposed to spectrum. 
because Spectrum is going to pick up, try to pick up like oh, stuff in the room, do? and that's what you want to av- okay, you want to avoid. That I've got voice isolation on now. 